everyone? All right, I think we're good to go. Take your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And we got quite a bit of notes to go through tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We'll look at some verses here and get going. And tonight we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Why do we have spiritual gifts? Who have spiritual gifts? What the, what's the purpose of spiritual gifts? And so much more in the next little bit of time this evening. And so as we look, we're going to take our Bibles, as I mentioned, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Now, if you notice something with me, we love to take... So chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is what we would call the love chapter, right? It talks about how love should be and what biblical love is. Now, if you take the Bible in context, how it is written. Chapter 12 talks about our spiritual gifts. Chapter 13 talks about the importance of love. And then chapter 14 gives some rules when it came to the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues. So if we are taking this in context, chapter 12, 13, and 14 all have to do with spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts this evening. Now we look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And if we look at this in context, the Lord's Supper, he just goes through how the Lord's Supper works, right? So now we get chapter 12, look at verse number 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. God's plan for the Christian is not to be ignorant when it comes to to spiritual gifts. Does anybody know what the word ignorant means? What? What were you saying, Caroline? Don't say it? What, were you gonna, what shouldn't I say? What word is it? So, God doesn't want you ignorant. He doesn't want you not knowing. He wants you to know. Because there's a, a mean word we won't use that could be used right there, but God doesn't want you stupid when it comes to your spiritual gifts. That's literally what it means. And so you take the Greek, stupido. No, it doesn't quite like that, but um, anyways, but that's literally what the word it means. God doesn't want you ignorant when it comes to spiritual gifts. But here is the problem. Most Christians are ignorant when it comes to spiritual gifts. Tonight, let me ask you this question. Don't say anything out loud. This is something for you to think about in your head. Sometimes I say questions that are meant for you to think inside your head, not say out loud. This would be one of them here tonight. Do you know what your spiritual gift or gifts are? Number one. And number two, are you using your spiritual gifts to benefit the Lord's work like he designed them for? Those are my two questions tonight. Spiritual gifts, we're going to look at a lot of things tonight when it talks about spiritual gifts, but we see the Bible tells us to begin with here that concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I would not have you ignorant. God wants you to know, and God has given us gifts that we're going to talk about tonight. So as we talk about this, number one, as we dive in, we see the nature of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are important. We're going to talk about them tonight. I'm going to give you some doctrine about them. Letter A, as we dive in, we see the giving of spiritual gifts. God gives us spiritual gifts. Now, we could look at lots of scriptures and see lots of things, and I didn't give you all the references tonight, 
But I want you to see, you have your Bible right there. Look at verse number 11 of chapter 12 here. It says, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So what we see, who is the one who gives you spiritual gifts? The Holy Spirit does, right? Isn't that what that says right there? The Bible also makes it clear that God does. Look at the same chapter and look down at verse number 28. Look at verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. And we see who has set them in the church. God has done it, right? So as we look here tonight and we talk about the giving of spiritual gifts, God gives us spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit divides them among us as he sees fit. So as we look at this, number one, underneath the giving of it, all Christians have been given a special gift. All Christians. Not some. If you are a saved child of God, you have a spiritual gift or gifts. And we'll talk more about that here tonight. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse 10 and 11, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if any man speaketh, let him speak as the oracles of God. If a man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we look here and we see the fact that God has given all of us, all Christians have been given a special gift. Number two. Number two, the uniqueness of each Christian's giftedness. No one is gifted the same. We are gifted in different ways. And God does that for a reason. We all are not strong in the same areas as someone else. But I'll tell you this, within a body that God brings together, there are, there's the diversity of gifts. And in that, God has put what each church needs in those people God puts into the church. And that's an important thing for us to realize. And so as we think on this tonight, and we look at the, the uniqueness, God has gifted us with a mixture of gifts. Your gift is, you think, it's like a painting. And the painter, in this case the Holy Spirit, he picks what goes where. And by the end, he makes a beautiful painting. And you might look and not know what's going on for a while, but the Lord makes it all work. And it's a blessing when we look at it. You think about a football team. I was talking with someone yesterday, a friend of mine, we went to lunch. And at lunch, he was talking about their school is starting up a flag football team this year. They haven't had one in a while. And his son, I know who his son is, his son is really tall. And he's coordinated. Sometimes you can be tall and not coordinated. And sometimes you can be blessed with being coordinated and being tall. So my first thought was, he's going to be a great receiver because in that Christian school league, there are not that many tall guys that can play receiver and he can run fast. So I said, I bet he's going to be a good receiver. He said, the only problem is, He's our best quarterback. No one else could. So if you don't have someone who could throw him the ball, he could be a great receiver, but he's never going to catch the ball because no one can throw the ball to him. So if he's a good quarterback, that's his position. I remember in high school, my senior year of high school, I was, I was a bigger boy. And they, you know, why people do this? They always think the big boys can block on the line. I get they can, and I understand that. But if we were to go through, so that year, 
our quarterback was gone from the year before, and so I said, I want to try out at quarterback. And I did. And we'll just say this, I was the best quarterback option we had. Every, I threw the ball very well. The only problem was they thought it wasn't fast enough for them. But you want the ball in a place, the ball was getting there. And so I remember my coach came to me, and he said, I know you have the best arm, but you are our center. You played center last year, and you will do better on the offensive line than you will being quarterback. You're not going to get any fame or glory, but our team will do better if you're blocking on that line than playing quarterback. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to play quarterback because it was time for me to get off that line. But I took my spot, and I played on the line. And in a football team, you need your linemen. They're just as important as anyone else. No one realizes that. Why is it, you think about in football, the best quarterbacks, you look at Tom Brady. How could Tom Brady have the career that he had most of the time? Because the Patriots paid for a line. They blocked for him. They gave him time to throw the ball. If you can have a great quarterback and have no line, and the quarterback gets sacked all the time. There's so many other things we could say in this area, but the, you got to understand the church is made up of many members, and we are gifted differently. And when we look at those things and we think about the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 14, in the same passage, for the body is not one member, but many. And the Bible tells us in verse 17 through verse 19, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? Or if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now hath God, I love this verse, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? And one of the verses that has helped me the most as a pastor is there are times that people move on to other churches and things happen. And I wonder, you know, I don't like losing people. I don't like those things. But I also got to understand the fact the Bible makes it clear that God sets the members every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. So God, you got to understand something, God brings people to the church, God also takes people from the church as it pleases him to do. And so, but this is what I realized, the fact that God has placed in this body what it needs to function as a church. And we'll talk more about these things as we go through. So we see that all Christians have been given a special gift. We see the fact the uniqueness of each Christian's gift. Letter B, we see the purpose of spiritual gifts. What is the purpose? The purpose is important. And as we look at the purpose and we think on these things, the purpose of a spiritual gift, I've heard many people in charismatic churches say, I have the gift of this. What is your gift? Your gift is not for you to brag about. That's not what a gift is there for. Oh, well, I'm good at this. What are you good at? No, 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 no. What's the purpose of being spiritually gifted? Number one, we see it's for the common good of the church. It's for the common good of the church. God's body, his church. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, and we see a lot of these verses are coming right from our text right here. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. We have our spiritual gifts to use in the church that God's placed us in. That's an important thing to realize. It's for the good of the church, the common good of the church. Number two, 
for the edification of the church. God has given you your spiritual gifts to build up his body. The Bible tells us in chapter 14, verse number 12, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. And you should be using the gifts that God has given you to build up his church. What's another purpose for it? Number three, our gifts are there to serve one another. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So you say, what is the purpose in having spiritual gifts? The purpose is not for you to sit in your chair and do nothing with it. It's not. But many Christians, that's what they end up doing. They sit in their chairs and do nothing with what God's given to them. Did you ever think about when the Lord gave those parables of the talents? And one man had five, one had two, and one had one. The one that had five went out and doubled it. The one that had two went out and doubled his. The one that had one sat on his and did nothing with it. Do you ever think how that could apply to the spiritual gifts that God's given us in our lives? You can just think on that one a little bit. But God didn't give you your spiritual gift to sit on it. He gave it to you for the good of the church, for the edifying of the church, and to serve one another. So let me ask you a question tonight. The spiritual gifts that God's given to you, are you using them? Are they benefiting the church you go to? That's number one. Are they helping build up the church that you're a part of? That's number two. And number three, are your spiritual gifts being used to serve others? If you're not, you're not doing what God intended you to with what he's given to you. And you're being a poor steward of what God's given you. That might not sound very nice, but sometimes the truth isn't very nice. It's still the truth. And if I say it with a smile, does that help a little bit when I say it? So we talk about spiritual gifts, and we go a little bit deeper, and we talk about spiritual gifts there are many spiritual gifts that are listed. And uh, number two tonight, Roman numeral number two, we see the provision of spiritual gifts. The provision of spiritual gifts. The Bible gives us several verses that explain to us the gifts that we've been given. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligent, diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 8 through 10. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, and another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another, the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To others, the interpretation of tongues. And we see the gifts that were given. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28, And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps governments diversities of tongues and so there are many 
gifts that have been given. As we talk about the gifts tonight and we go through them, let's start tonight by talking about letter A, the temporary gifts. These gifts were given to the church, but they were given in a temporary fashion. They were not going to last forever, and we'll look why in a couple of minutes. And that's why some people don't like 1 Corinthians 13, where it talks about when that which is in part shall, when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part shall be done away. But it's right there in the middle of all the spiritual gifts. That's what it's talking about. So as we talk about the temporary gifts, the first one I want to talk about tonight would be miracles. Miracles took place. We see it all throughout. We see the Gospels. We see Jesus and his miracles. We've read about on Sunday nights. Remember Peter and John go up into the temple? They heal the man. A miracle takes place. And as we look at these things and we think about them, we see that this gift, the gift of miracles, is the ability to do wonders and signs. Christ performed many miracles, and they're recorded in Scripture, and Paul used this gift to affirm his apostleship. And that's talked about in 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 12. This is what Paul said, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. One of the things that let people know that Paul was an apostle was the fact that he could do miracles. There are things that Paul could do that the average person, the average Christian day cannot. We'll talk more about this here in a minute. So there was the gift of miracles. Secondly, there was the gift of healing. The gift of healing. Peter had this gift. We talked about this in the book of Acts. Acts, six verse, Acts 3, verse 6 through 8. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. So we see the fact that there was the gift of miracles, the gift of healing, and number three, the gift of tongues. We've gone through in Acts chapter number 2, we saw when the tongues came upon the apostles and they spoke in known languages to the group of people that were there. The Bible tells us that not only did they have the gift of tongues, but they had the gift of being able to interpret them. Some did. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27, 28, If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course let one interpret but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. And we see that there. So you had the gift of miracles, the gift of healing, and the gift of tongues. Now before we go any further tonight, and before we go deeper into these things, I want to make sure that we understand a few thoughts when it comes to the temporary gifts. When we talk about healing and miracles. You say, well, are healing and miracles gifts that we have today? I want you to understand, we don't have those gifts today. They were temporary. You say, well, why were they temporary? Why are there people out there that claim to be able to heal people? There are people that say that they can perform miracles. And Jesus said that we'd do greater works than he did, right? That's one of the things that people argue about. Now, as we look at this, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to see a few verses with me. These are not in your notes, because I was debating if I was going to, how deep I was going to go. 
But my thought is if we're here talking about spiritual gifts, I might as well show you why those gifts were temporary and why they're not relevant today. So go with me to Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. And look at verse number 3 and 4. Hold your place there in 1 Corinthians 12, because we're going to be back there in a little bit. Hebrews chapter number 2, and look down at verse number 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with look, signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Spirit, according to his own will. What was one of the reasons that God gave us miracles and healing, and he showed those in the beginning? If you read those verses right there, it was to confirm the gospel message. Do you see that there? It was to confirm that the gospel was true. It was a sign to show that. I mentioned to you 2 Corinthians 12, verse number 12. Joe's a few verses back. Do you have that one still? 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. So you've got to understand, what was the purpose of these gifts? The gift of miracles, the gift of healing. It confirmed the gospel message. It also confirmed who the, who the apostles were, right? It also, if we go to Acts chapter number 4, go there with me. Acts chapter number 4. Acts 4, look at verse number 30, or 29 and 30. We are here on Sunday night. And it says, And now, Lord, grant thy, uh, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. They wanted, the, they prayed for the sign of miracles and healing, so the people would believe the message. You see that? So now go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. 12 is where we've been about spiritual gifts. We're just going to chapter 13. The Bible says in verse number 8, it says, Charity never faileth, whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. A couple thoughts that we can have on that is, the Bible says, what is that which is perfect that's come? They didn't have, when Corinthians was written, they didn't have the whole book yet. You and I have the whole book. This is what that which is perfect that's come. You don't need the signs, and you don't need the miracles, because you've got the whole book. They didn't have the whole book. And also, when we take more time to think on these things as well, it was there to prove that there were apostles. Do we have apostles today? Some people say we do, but they're wrong on that. Jesus has to call an apostle. And if Jesus does not physically call an apostle, Paul is the last one, then there's no need for it. 
Then you say, well, I still think that people were healed, and people are healed today. Well, let me give you a few thoughts. Did you know that any time Jesus healed, or if the apostles healed in the book of Acts, it was immediate. The man we read about there in the, at the temple, he immediately received, he was able to walk, immediately. It was not a progression, it happened immediately. We can go even deeper and think about the fact that healing was complete and permanent. Blindness was healed, paralysis was healed, and healing was not, you think about this, healing wasn't based on how much faith one person had that they would be healed. Did that man that was there that Peter and John spoke to, did he have the faith that they were going to heal him? He wanted money. Now, after they offered it, he had faith, right? But I've heard many faith healers say the problem is why some people don't get help is because they don't have the faith. There's a lot more I could say down that area. But when we talk about these things, it doesn't match up with what the Bible says. And so I would say that miracles and healing are not a part of spiritual gifts today. They were temporary. The other one I want to talk about is that of speaking in tongues. Because you have a lot of people that talk about speaking in tongues today. And let me just start with this. Speaking in tongues, the Bible says that it was a language. It was not gibberish. No one foamed at the mouth, and you could understand. There was language, dialect. Now, what was the purpose of tongues? Let me give you a few thoughts on tongues, and then we'll move on tonight. So the Bible tells us, take your Bibles. You got your Bibles open there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 21. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all they will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Whether tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So tongues served, you see that verse there? Tongues served as a sign for the unbeliever that what was happening was real. I remember there were people that when the disciples, the apostles spoke in tongues, so those people are drinking new wine. They're drunk in the middle of the day. It was a sign to unbelieving Jews. It also attested to the fact that people got saved. The book of Acts, go with me to chapter 10. Acts chapter number 10. And I know this is a nice little study here for you, but some of you, it's good for you to flip around and see some of these things. Acts chapter number 10. Look at verse number 47. Acts 10, verse 47. The Bible says, Can a man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Go down to chapter number 11 and look at Acts 11 there, verse 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he had said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God 
saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. So with the apostles, the signs of the Holy Ghost were there. But in Acts chapter number 11 here, there were some Gentiles that first got saved. And then you see they had the Holy Ghost on them. It was a sign to say, yes, God's not only saving the Jews, he's also saving the Gentiles here. It was for a sign. And it showed them and it attested to the salvation of the Gentiles. The Bible also tells us, back in 1 Corinthians 14, go back there, and you're doing great, you're doing great, doing wonderful, 1 Corinthians 14. Look down at verse number 26. Verse 26, it says, How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation? Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. You see, what was the purpose of tongues? It was to edify and build up the body of Christ. It was not to edify and build up a person. What do you hear today when it comes to people speaking? And I have the gift of tongues. Oh, whoopee-doo. Good for you. What we hear a lot today, and I... I'm not questioning people's salvation or where they stand on those things. But if you know anything about the Holy Spirit, he testifies of Jesus Christ. He does not boast on himself. And there are too many people that boast on their gifts. And I wonder if it's the right spirit that they're boasting from. Anyways, you can think on that one and leave that there. When we talk about tongues, we go back to 1 Corinthians 13. And we're almost getting back into our notes here, I know. Sometimes I steer away from notes, and some of you, you have a hard time with it, and some of you are tired tonight, but you'll be okay. I, I feel like I drove all the way across California today, it seemed like, but it was all right. It worked out, but I'm here tonight. Look at chapter 13 and look at verse number 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, do you see tongues right there? They will cease, or shall cease. Where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. Since we have the complete scripture, we have no need for the partial gift of speaking in tongues. That's what the Bible says right here. And we see, and if you want to say, well, I believe tongues should be used today, then if you do, you study 1 Corinthians 14, and look at how unbiblical everyone that speaks in tongues is today. I don't want to get anybody mad at me, but a woman was not allowed to speak in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14. There's a lot of that today. That's what the Bible says. Not Brian, Bible. You had to have an interpreter. Is, does everyone that speaks in tongues have someone explain what they just uttered? No, because it's not biblical what is done today. I'll leave that there, and you can think on that one a little bit more. You have the temporary gifts. Next, you have the permanent gifts. The permanent gifts. And God's given us several gifts. 
and we'll talk about these for a minute. We see, as we go through number one, we see the gift of prophecy. Now, a lot of times people, when they think of prophecy, they think of being able to tell the future, right? They are a prophet. Well, in the Old Testament, there were prophets. And you had guys like Jeremiah, you had Isaiah, you had a lot of those minor prophets, you had Daniel. They prophesied about future events. They were prophets. If you want to be, if we look in the New Testament, Paul technically was a prophet. He prophesied about end time things. John was a prophet, and he prophesies about the book of Revelation from what he saw from the Lord. Jesus was a prophet, because he prophesied what's going to play out in the end, right? So there is, when it comes to the gift of prophecy, there is the side of being able to tell the future. But there also is, and what, and, but you got to understand, when the Bible's complete, there's no need for someone to give any special revelation or look into the future, because the Bible's set. It's all set there. So when someone would say they have the gift of prophecy today, it literally means to preach and to tell the word of God. So you might have a preacher that preaches God's word. They might have the gift of prophecy, and that's preaching and declaring God's message from his word. Second one we could look at is teaching. And this is the ability to teach God's word and help people. This is the thing. Some people are very good at teaching, and some people are not. And you got to understand, you might have be gifted in, in a couple of these areas, and there might be some areas you're not as gifted in. Like I would say, looking at myself, and we're not supposed to, we're supposed to know the spiritual gifts that God's given to us. I would say it is more natural, and God has given me the gift of prophesying, preaching his word, more than I have the gift of teaching God's word. But just because I'm not as good at teaching God's word as I am at preaching God's word, as a pastor, I'm supposed to preach it, and I'm supposed to teach it. So you might say, well, both of the, I, they're not both your gifts. No, but that doesn't give me an excuse not to be a good teacher. i got to work at that, too. There are other ones that just come more naturally to people. Does that make sense? All right, let's keep on going here. Number three, faith. Faith. And you get that gift. That gift you think about this. For by grace are ye saved through faith and then not yourself. It's the gift of God. The faith that we're given at salvation, it's a gift from God. And the Bible talked about in the spiritual gifts, those verses that we read, faith and faith is a consistent enabling faith that truly believes God in the midst of all the things that happen in life. There's the gift of wisdom, it mentions it. In these, and sometimes people don't go this deep into the spiritual gifts, but if you look at what the Bible says from Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, you would see the fact that faith is a gift from God, and that's a gift of the Spirit. You'd also see that wisdom is. That's why if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth all men liberally. Isn't that what the Bible says? And wisdom is the ability to apply wisdom, gain from Scripture insight, and there's so much more to it. Knowledge is another one, as we see here. Knowledge. This is an understanding of the facts of Scripture. Discernment. That's an important one. I wish more Christians had the gift of discernment. This gift, and in a church, you need people with the gift of discernment. Because we need people that have their eyes open. Because there are things that try to sneak in, and the devil will do whatever he can. And if we don't have our eyes open to what's going on, discernment's an important gift in the church. Next one, number seven, mercy. Mercy's a good one, right? This is being able to show compassion to those 
who have spiritual, physical, and emotional needs. And sometimes, you know, sometimes they coincide. You could kind of, you could kind of see which spiritual gifts you have by different things that take place. You know, if, let's say a kid gets hurt. Okay, I'll give you an example. So a while back, William, was it you that ran into the tree? Yeah. He's playing football in the churchyard, and he runs into the tree. I say, you have a whole yard to play in, and that tree's in one spot. Why do you got to go near the tree? And his thing is, I could get open better, I thought, by going around the tree. My thought is, it serves you right to hit the tree when you run close to the tree. There's no mercy from me. You don't want to hit the tree? Don't run by the tree. Is this like a lot of these kids in this room? Oh, the fe- they get scratched up and scuffed up from the fence. Just don't go next to the fence. That shows that mercy is not one of my strong gifts that God's given to me. I would tell them what they did wrong and what they need to do to do it right. That's more prophesying. Preaching the word, that's more that type of thing. That's where Caroline and I balance out very well. She shows the mercy, and I don't. And it works out very well in that area. But mercy is an important, it's a spiritual gift. The gift of exhortation, being able to encourage God's people and motivate them. A person with this gift can come alongside another and comfort them with love and encourage them to grow in their walk with God. And I believe pastors, and I would say exhortation and prophesying, those are probably the two biggest ones that they need. The gift of giving. And then, you know, oh, see, not everyone has the gift of giving. We all should be giving. We all should be. And I'll leave that there, but giving is the direct. And some people, you know, some people just easier for them to give. They would give everything away if they could, right? And I'm not talking about giving to yourself. I'm talking about giving to others. That is a spiritual gift, and some people really have it. And you'll notice that in a church, because there will be, and I could go around tonight and tell you in this room who has the gift of giving. We'll mention a need that a few weeks ago I mentioned that we needed help with school bills. And there were three or four people that within that night came to me in the next few days, and they helped. They're always the people that do stuff like that. And, you, and why? They, it comes more naturally to them. doesn't mean it shouldn't be all of us doing it, but there's the gift of giving. There's the gift of administration and ruling. It's an important gift. And, uh, and this is the other thing. It is a wise thing to realize what areas you're strong in and ones you're not. In all reality, a pastor should be strong in his administrational skills. I will tell you, when I've done my spiritual gift tests, Prophesying and exhortation, encouraging people and preaching are my two strongest. My lowest ones are mercy and administration. So you know what that means? I need to put people around me who are good with administration. That's, do you see that there? Then there's the one about helps, the one about helps. And this is being able to help in time of need. And this is, there are certain people and there are people in this room that that's just their thing. I'll give you an example. Bridget, I would say her strongest spiritual gift, besides being mean to the pastor, would be helping. She literally just does whatever she can, anytime, anywhere. That's her gift. That's her number one gift, or giving the pastor a hard time. And the work of service as well, help, service, and then you can break those down in that order. And so as we look at these things and we talk about these things, we get down to number three and lastly night, the exercise of spiritual gifts. 
what do, so once we've, now tonight you might say, oh, pastor, I don't even know what my spiritual gift is. There are spiritual gift tests all over the place. Some of them are really good. Some are not as good. One of the ones I like to use, I technically don't think it's great. I don't love it. I got a couple others. If you want a spiritual gift test, text me, let me know, and I'll get you one. The one that I use a lot that I don't love, they take the gift of prophesying out and say that's reserved just for a pastor. And I get kind of what they're saying, but in all reality, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't believe in women preachers. The Bible says against that. But I do think that there are some women that really do have some of that in them. And maybe God's given them that gift in that area that they teach or that they do, and you can see that. I don't think that that is an exclusive. I think it could be well rounded out. And then you got all these other gifts. So if you want a spiritual gift test, I can get you one. And I think it would be a good idea to do. But as we talk about the exercise of spiritual gifts and we close out here, we see, letter A, that exhortation needs to be involved in ministry. We need to encourage with it. And as we look at this and as we tie these things together, let me get back to my place in my notes. I haven't really used my notes much tonight, so I need to make sure I get back to them. You know, this is what I'm trying to say. I want to encourage you to use your spiritual gifts in the church that God's placed you. You need to be involved. I do not understand, and I do, and this is the thing, in a church we will always have people who sit and don't do anything, and I love them and I'm grateful that they're here. There are some that will never get highly involved. But God has given you gifts to use for his honor and for his glory. To help, this is the thing, if this is your church and you believe this is the place God's placed you, what are you doing to help? What are you doing with your spiritual gifts? Are you using them? And maybe, maybe you're involved and you're not using your spiritual gifts like you could. But I want to encourage you, and there needs to be an exhortation, to get involved in ministry. Get outside of yourself. Life is bigger than you and your happiness. I'm glad Jesus wasn't concerned about his happiness. His happiness came as a result of helping others. It would be a great mindset for the people of God to pick up on. And so we need to be encouraged to get involved in ministry. Let me just encourage you in that way tonight. And then letter B, finding your giftedness. You need to find your gifts. Use them. Say, well, I don't know what it is. Well, didn't Paul just say, I don't want you stupid concerning your gifts if you don't know what your gifts are and you're a christian tonight i don't want to get real mean here but you're stupid in that area and ignorant and god doesn't want you that way so wake up do what you need to do figure out what your gift is and use it for the glory of god so i just don't know if i like that that's what the word ignorant means so that's what it says we're just going with what the Bible says. And then lastly tonight, we need to minister or ministering your gift in love. If we look at all these things, go back, you got your Bibles open still, look at 1 Corinthians 13. Do you know that's why this chapter is found in the middle of spiritual gifts, the love chapter? Look at what it says starting in verse number 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity and I have not love, 
I'm become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And look, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burdened and have not charity, it profits me nothing. You can have every spiritual gift listed. You can be the most gifted person in the entire world, but if you don't have Christ's love in the midst of your gifts, it means nothing. Love matters. And come back Sunday morning, you're going to see how love plays into everything else as well. We're going to look at it even more on Sunday. Because you can be so gifted without the love of Christ, it means nothing. You're like the ting, nothing. You could have all the money and give everything away to the poor. You could know everything. You could have everything together, and you don't have God's love in you. It means nothing. So what type of love am I supposed to have? Well, I think the Bible goes through it, doesn't it, there? In the rest of those verses, you see it right there before your eyes. Charity suffereth long, and charity's talking about love. Suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not. We think about just, you know, let me put it, let me put it simply for you. What love is. The type of love that we see, it's patient. It's kindness. There's no jealousy involved. There's no bragging involved. There's no arrogance involved. There's no rudeness involved. There's no insisting on having your own way. You're not easily provoked or easily irritable. You don't take account of everyone else's wrongs. You don't rejoice in bad things that happen to others, but you rejoice in the truth. You bear all things, you believe all things, you hope all things, and you, are, you endure all things. And charity, love will never fail. The gifts, at some point they will fail. But God's love always remains. I want to encourage you tonight to use your gifts for God's honor and his glory. Secondly, I want to encourage you to find out what your gifts are so you can use them for his honor and for your glory. And thirdly, if you're using your gifts for God's glory, but there's no love in it, get your love right so that it makes a difference and makes an impact on somebody. Because there are a lot of people that are missing that love of Christ, and we need that love to be found in our spiritual gifts.